the ego is essentially just a development of your belief systems. So anything that you believe about yourself, about others and about the world is this what creates the centralized, let's say the module of the ego, the nucleus of the ego and everything else stems from that. So if I believe I'm good and you tell me I'm bad, my ego says, mm -mm 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 -mm, I'm good. Even if I actually did something bad, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I have a firm belief that I am a good person and therefore whatever you say to me, I'm gonna fight you on. Welcome back everyone to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, a space designed to help redefine what it means to be a man in the modern era. Our hope with this podcast is to support men on their journey towards becoming the best possible version of themselves by providing insight, support, perspective, but most importantly, a safe space to live authentically with a community of conscious kings. Every week we will take a deep dive into topics such as toxic masculinity, men's mental health, personal relationships, conscious leadership, and powerful guest appearances. Men, we see you, we hear you, and we are standing tall beside you every single day in the arena of misunderstood masculinity. Let's get into today's episode. What is going on, everyone? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Mask Unity Podcast. I'm your co-host, CK. And I'm your co-host, Anwar Ahmed, a.k.a. A Squared. And we got another powerful episode for you today, and we're talking about the ego. We all know what the ego is. We all have heard of it before, but we're going to help define it, hopefully give a different perspective on it, as we always do um, from the men's space. But before we do that, you know what time it is. Mood check. Hey, yo, Coach. CK, let's go. What's going on, man? How you doing? What's shaking? What's shaking? Uh, I am well. I am tired, but I am well. I am well. I uh, just recently started a new job here in Calgary, back in the industry that I know so well, and uh, which is bartending. That is the space that I know. So I'm just working on uh, that space. And honestly, you just forget how tiring it is to get back into that space. Mm -hmm. And I, honestly, I was really just training, but it's been about I think a year since I've been in this space and it just takes a toll. It takes a toll. So I'm definitely feeling physically tired. Um, I'm having bartending dreams already of, of doing the whole, like making the drink and having the chits go out like crazy, just having a pure white out. Like I'm having those kind of dreams, which is so irritating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but outside of that, I, I'm really good. I'm, I'm really I'm really good. I feel like I, uh, there's just so much to look forward to. I have so much to look forward to. And the city has been vibrant. I know I speak about this a lot, but the stampede was just absolutely insane. And the whole city was alive and it's just a beautiful atmosphere to be around because it makes you feel alive. Just mm -hmm. having that vibrancy back and even just in general, seeing this city be the way that it is, is such a powerful energetic frequency that comes with that. And it just pulls at you. And right. even if, for me, I'm not a big partier. I don't want to join, but I like being around it and watching it because it makes me feel like I'm a part of it and I can feel everyone's energy because everyone is in a good mood. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's such a rare time where you have an entire city looking forward to the same thing or looking forward to something and 
just being in a good mood because of it. There's so much power behind that. So uh, I honestly, I am really, really good. And my week has been, like I said, a little tiring, but really good. Yeah, no, I, don't, I, I definitely do not miss those dreams of like forgetting that ketchup or like, yeah. <laughs> like damn it, Table 202 didn't get their hot sauce. Uh, like, it's, like been, it's been three days since that point. Maybe. Three days, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they've moved on. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's, uh, I, I, you know, I was on Instagram and stuff, obviously on my social media and just seeing, you know, so many people, even friends that I know that aren't from Calgary, all in Calgary, like being a part of that environment. So I can only imagine how much energy you would feel off of that event, especially coming off of the back of a pandemic. I think that, you know, no there's that extra level of, you know, wow, this event looks really cool. Wow. People can have fun again. That's hilarious. You know what I mean? It's almost like I'm just walking down in Toronto streets and stuff like that too. Just, you know, seeing some, some rebel, like some sort of, you know, feeling of normal, you know, it still obviously feels a bit sticky. Like it's not, I ate in a restaurant this weekend, sitting down in a restaurant. Like I haven't done that in literally what feels like two years. So uh, living. So, you know, your server is still your server is still wearing a mask and they're still like you can feel like, you know, it's not fully there, but you're in a restaurant. So you're like something has moved, you know, absolutely opened in Toronto, which is the first time they basically have opened since the pandemic lockdown Amazing. Um, outside of like, you know, a couple teasers that we had that should have never even never should have even half opened they sh- one of the times i'm pretty sure you were here for they shut it down after like seven days they opened so many times and then shut it down in seven days i'm like come on man we don't we don't need to do this you know what i mean um yeah but yeah that's 100%. uh that's great to hear. Good to hear that, you know, you're kind of trekking along, uh, you know, you got the plan in place and it looks as, you know, I know we talk about, you know, your plan outside of, you know, this podcast, but it's nice mm-hmm. to see the dominoes start falling down for you and start to kind of you ascend into kind of, you know, that, that next chapter. Um, Absolutely. How's your mood, Poppy? For me, I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling really good. I feel like I've been in the best flow and rhythm that I've been in, in a long time. Um, I think it was just uh, the combination of, you know, being able to go back to Winnipeg and reconnecting with family and then coming back here and um, just kind of understanding, okay, like, what am I, what am I going to do? You know, sometimes it's, um, we talk about this ego, we're going to talk about the ego quite a bit, but it's like a lot of times, you know, our ego wants to talk a lot and not do much. You know what I mean? Like I've lived in a place for a long time where I know a lot uh, in terms of kind of what I want to do. Um, not a lot about the world, but what I want to do and where I want to go. And, you know, uh, a lot of it's just, you know, sometimes what you realize is your ego is just talking, you know what I mean? You're not actually doing anything. You're just talking, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, in your mind, what you want to do and how you want to do it. Um, but you, you don't have the humility to actually put it into place. You don't have the courage the like, you know, to fail forward and go for it, you know, because you're trying to protect, you know, what you think is, um, this ego that you've kind of built up, you know? So I think I, I had a, I got a good dose of humility going back and, you know, watching, seeing my family and seeing everything. And it was also just a, a good reflection of like, man, things are going to keep, things are going to keep going on, whether you accomplish these goals or not. You know what I mean? Like every time I go back, I see those, you know, their kids, like they're still smiling. They're still enjoying, you know, their life. Like, you know, everyone is still kind of doing their thing. You're just kind of in this self misery for no reason of just like, you know, playing playing the victim or self-pity or whatever the case may be so you know i've been in a very good headspace coming back this time around i just think that you know 
it's essentially once one step at a time, one push up at a time, you know, one one meal at a time. And hopefully, you know, you can collect enough of those efforts to, you know, have something to say, Oh, cool, I accomplished that. And then, you know, um, you move past it. But yeah, I feel like I've, I've been in a good place. Also, you know, my roommate is not in the city right now. So it's been easier to kind of get into some of these routines. You know, it mm-hmm. takes a long time to get to habits. It takes a long time to kind of, you know, um, by a long time, I mean, like they say it's three weeks or something like that. But right. Um, you know, but once you have that habit, it's like your body's almost prepared for it, you know, so it's nice to not have anything else influencing or kind of intruding on that, you know, development of those habits. Um, so I'm, I'm getting a nice little two month runway here to kind of, you know, build the foundation that I want potentially to kind of, you know, move into, you know, fall, winter, and then hopefully, you know, the next year. But yeah, I feel good. I feel really good about some of the routines that I, I, I've uh, instilled and I hope to continue to maintain them. And um, my new goal now is just to, you know, having that, I think we talked about it in the balance episode was, you know, that regimen and structure is great, but over regimen and over structure is not good. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, one of the things I've kind of done to restructure that and rephrase that is, you know, uh, I won't ever, like what I, my goal is now is to not compound bad efforts. You know, mm. if I have a bad day, I need to have a good day the next day. You know, it's like, and by need, I mean, like, while I'm having the bad day, not judging myself for having the bad day, just acknowledging it and making sure that I don't have three, four bad days in a row, you know, because now it's a habit going the other direction. You know, if you want to go and eat a meal, the city is open now, you eat a meal that maybe isn't in line with kind of your diet. That's fine. It's just now the next couple meals need to be closer to what you what you are naturally. And then that just seems like a, a blimp on the radar. It doesn't even uh-huh. it's not who you are, right? Absolutely. So just making sure I'm not compounding efforts that aren't in line with my goals. Um, but if there are slip ups being very forgiving with myself and being able to understand that I'm just a human being, I'm just, I'm just a man at the end of the day, all I can do is my best. And I'm going to have days where I wake up and I don't feel, you know, 10 out of 10. And those are the days where, you know, how can I get the best out of today, even though it's not my best day. And then make sure that now I'm aware that, Hey, yesterday you kind of, you kind of sent it, right. You kind of just kind of, you didn't, you didn't weren't engaged. You allowed yourself to kind of, you know, go through the motions of what you're feeling, but today let's have a big day, you know, cause you know how hard it is to get these habits. So let's not discount how long it took to get some of these habits in place. And by having three days bad in a row, that's not serving us at all. That that's, that's, that's almost a, a, a straight up, you know, screw you to every, all the work that we've done, you know? So um, I'm just trying to be conscious of that. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited with, you know, where I'm at right now and, you know, where I'm ascending to. And uh, I feel really good. Uh, and, uh, you know, I know we don't say this often, but I feel proud of like my last couple of weeks. I feel proud mm. of the work that I've put together. Um, I feel proud of, you know, um, the effort that I've put forward in the last couple of days. So, you know, I just want to make sure that I continue to do that. Um, and hopefully it's uh, the hard work will pay off. Amazing. Amazing. I love that. And you, you nailed it on the head at the end there when you're like, we don't say it that much uh, as as men is we don't sit in a space where we're like, you know what? I'm proud of myself for everything I've done in the last few weeks, or I'm just proud of myself in general at any point. It's such a rarity to hear. So I'm really, really happy and grateful to hear that that's how you feel about yourself. That's huge.
I love that. I love, and what that kind of I feel like walks us into is literally today's conversation, mm-hmm. uh, because pride does play an example or play a part in the ego. And what I believe you're saying is you're simply just proud of what you've been able to accomplish. Um, you're not being overly prideful in the sense that like I am now better than others because of all of the things that I have done or being, you know, what they call an egomaniac because of, of what I've done. And now I am better than others. It's just I've accomplished these things and I'm proud of myself, which I think is a beautiful representation of healthy self-esteem. So part of the conversation we're going to have today. So as we mentioned at the beginning, we're talking about the ego. And we know the ego. We've heard about the ego before. We all know we have an ego. What I think ends up coming into the conversation is a lot of different definitions, a lot of different ideas of what it means, a lot of confusion. And uh, I've run into a lot of situations too where there's this idea that you can rid of your ego. You can actually remove it or act as if you don't have it. And I think that that's a beautiful conversation to have in this podcast is what does, what is the ego? Why is it there? What's the purpose of it? How have we navigated our own egos? Um, and what are we currently doing to continue to navigate them in the understanding of what they are? So from my understanding and my research, I think most people have heard of the book, Ego is the Enemy. I think that's the most popular book surrounding the ego. And that is by Ryan Holiday. So I think even just taking into the context, the title, right? Ego is the enemy. You know, Anwar, you and I were speaking earlier and you mentioned that the title itself, the title itself was something that drew you in and changed your life or made a powerful impact in your life. How does a statement like that make a change? Because it's such a simple sentence, right? Ego is the enemy. Mm -hmm. What did that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I think when I was talking to you earlier, I said that, you know, listen, I've never read this book, but the title, the title itself was game changing, you know, and I use that phrase all the time to myself, you know, when I'm in times where I'm noticing that my ego is hindering my ability to grow as a person, my ability to, you know, get to that next step or my ability to kind of, um, you know, evolve and ascend you know, I view it as kind of that, you know, it's the enemy right now, you know, it's not working with me, it's, it's working against me. And what it did is that, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in that, you know, life and experiences just promote questions, which then you need to go seek answers for, right? Like it's all that life is, is just a series of a bunch of events where you start to question a bunch of things. And when you question a bunch of things, you have to go do research on it and go figure out for yourself and then interpret, right? be conscious, be a critical thinker and interpret things from your own lens because people will give you information and that's how life is, right? Um, And so for me, it was more so this phrase, this title triggered that curiosity of like, wait, first of all, what is, I know what the word ego is, or sorry, I know what the word enemy is. How did ego and enemy come together? Like, how are they so... And so the curiosity of, you know, getting into this space now kind of dove in. And, you know, for me, like, you know, naturally, I'm not someone who picks up a book and goes read. I'll go seek out like, you know, audio, like podcasts is, you know, that's why I get, I've been listening to podcasts since 2014. So when I heard the title, I was like, I'm just going to go listen to Ryan Holiday on a podcast, talk about it, you know? So that's kind of the way I kind of got into it. And then I started kind of, you know, seeing multiple podcasts, I put out, you know, 
this little ego phrase, this ego phrase. And it's interesting because like, as they kind of continue to come out, you notice that like the ego is very like multifaceted. It's not like a one size fits all. Like ego is the enemy is actually misleading because it implies that the ego is just a negative thing that has no positive connotation. You know, mm. like, like seeing it as just the enemy is, you know, if you just read the title and just ran with it, you would just assume ego, enemy, negative word, ego must be negative. Mm. Um, but when you start kind of listening to other people talk about it, you realize that it's also, it's very more, it's a lot more complicated than that. You know, um, it's, 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 it's a lot deeper than that, but it was the first time because for me personally, and you know, I won't, I won't get too down the rabbit hole at the time, my ego was my enemy, you know? And so hearing it kind of awoke a curiosity that actually shifted me in a positive direction, because at the time, the ego, my ego was my own enemy. That was my demise was, you know, I was too conscious of, I was, I was, I was too worried about what people thought about me. I was too worried about, um, being wrong. I was too worried about, you know, if I did it, if I thought I knew something, I would like over embellish how much I knew about it. You know, like you can know something, but do you know it? And what happens there is that you stop listening and you stop learning when you think you know something. Right. And that's your ego kind of kicking in there thinking that you understand something better than you actually understand it. Right. Yeah, and I know it all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The know it all type of mentality. And it wasn't even the know it all. Like I've never really been somebody who um, the know it all wasn't to offend the other person as much as, as it was to get validation for myself, you know, trying to seek out um, respect in others in terms of like trying to be heard, be seen, be validated, not to insult. I would never really like, you know, I wouldn't get into debates and arguments to try to, you know, insult somebody because that's, that's not, that's not kind of the nature, but I would notice that I was getting into these debates because I was struggling with like the idea that, you know, maybe I don't feel like I know. And I would love for someone to validate that I know this. And so I would fight until I got the argument to be like, oh yeah, you actually know quite a bit about that. You know what I mean? But I was never berating people or, you know, using, using am I right as a way of trying to put people down. It was more so trying to pick myself up, you know, and ego is the enemy was the first time, you know, hearing that title or hearing somebody recommend that book to someone else. That's kind of how I heard about it. And then I went down the rabbit hole it was the first time I got awake to the idea that, oh, okay, this is, this is a problem I'm dealing with. I'm struggling with right now, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I need to start to address it. And I need to understand who is this ego and who, who created it and where does it exist? Um, mm -hmm. And that's kind of how the, 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 the title really struck me. And um, it really kind of catapulted me into this, um, this willingness to want to learn more about it. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I think there's so much in there that we're going to talk about today, especially the idea that the title itself says the ego is the enemy and is never the friend. And I think that it is a, a beautiful contrast to help navigate our way through the world. But I was just reading something from an article and it says, in regards to the ego, it says, uh, one way that psychologists use the word ego is to differentiate the self from others. And the reason that I want to share this is because I thought this was really powerful in regards to a representation of why the ego is important. And it says the ego must be intact for you to differentiate between what you think and what others think. Your ego is the center of your own thoughts, behaviors, and experiences. And I'm going to add in a word in there, belief systems. So the center of your own thoughts, behaviors, experiences, and belief systems. So I think that in regards to ego being the enemy, I think an interesting contrast is something that always confused me. I, I think it's obvious the book title 
was there to be a clickbaity. It was there to be a bit clickbaity, right? Ego is the enemy. Whoa, hold on a second. Doesn't that mean I need to not go fight something? That's going to pull something in me to be like, I should read this book because I don't want to have something in me that I need to fight, right? Because that would cause discomfort. So that pull was powerful. I think that they did a really good job about that. However, um, I think within the context of the book, um, and I think Ryan Holiday would probably agree, is that the, the ego is not necessarily the enemy, but it can easily become the enemy if we allow it to. So on a very, very quick flip of a dime, it's your enemy. But having it consistently be your friend is where the work is. That's where the hard work comes through, and that's the challenge. So in this, this example, for me, um, the ego has always come from a space of it is there just to self-protect. And if we think in primitive years, right, the ego was so crucial and important because the ego needed to know when to protect itself. Right. It needed to click, fight, flight, or freeze. It needed to go do things. It needed to protect, protect, protect. That was the biggest challenge. I think often we forget is that we have a very primitive brain. Like our brain is not new age and advanced. It's still incredibly primitive. It hasn't really evolved that much over the years. So our brain is still thinking that same way at all costs. The difference now is we're not in danger, right? We're not necessarily in danger. However, we've just reframed the definition of danger in my eyes. We've reframed danger to be walking down the street and someone judging my clothes. That's what we've now reframed as danger. Right. So our ego says protect, protect, protect. So it will wear what they're wearing to make sure that you get along. It will walk how they walk to protect. It will uh, do everything that it can to relate in order to protect itself, which is... To avoid uh, being attacked, which is whatever attack right. is in the, what, the, whatever the modern attacking feels like. Right, exactly. It could even be something online, for example, right? Like, obviously, we live in an online world. That's another version of how uh, the ego is protecting us in the sense. So if someone says, you look stupid on your post, or how ridiculous was this on one of your videos, which has happened to me multiple times, uh, my ego says, oh, you did something wrong. Mm -hmm. You did something wrong. Protect, take it down. Or the other way, attack. Be like, I didn't do anything wrong. I have a higher sense of self than that. Get out of here. Like you suck. I don't suck. You suck. The, mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the um, two wrongs don't make a right uh, idea is just, it comes in hot. And so where the ego lands on all of this is that it's, it's ever present from my opinion, the ego is never not present. And even the little nuances that we speak about every single day. And even just in this podcast, for example, you know, I think that that's a, a beautiful representation. Sometimes if you listen back to our episodes at the end of the day, somewhere in one of the spaces, we're going to say something or have said something that was ego led without knowing, uh, mm -hmm. but it would probably come from a healthier side of our ego than an unhealthy, but even just being in a space where we're talking about men, we're trying to support men that can come from a space or be perceived that we are this higher superiority complex where we know more than other men and therefore we can teach other men. Well, I think what we try to always do here is reduce our ego to come from a healthy space of, no, we, we're just battling like you. Right. And that relatability that we try to always return to <clears throat> is where the work of the ego is being done every single time when we're bringing in our experiences like we're talking about right now. So, to get into the conversation, I guess, Anwar, you mentioned that you've had this 
idea of your ego. And I think it's definitely evolved, but um, what is an example? You, you said you didn't want to go down the rabbit hole and maybe you can go into an experience there, but what, what's an example of where your ego came in hot and it was like, it, it took over and you reacted in a specific way, or you at least were able to reflect and be like, whoa, that was my ego. Well, you know, I, I don't think there's like one very specific moment. Um, it's just, it, it, it's more so the idea that that attacking that you felt, you know, the, the attacking that you were kind of addressing there is I took a lot of things personally growing up for, for, you know, that led me to a lot of unhealthy arguments, a lot of unhealthy debates, you know, and it, it, it was more so just, you know, what one could, could perceive as constructive criticism or where one could perceive, you know, maybe too many compliments in one area. And then you hear the opposite from one or two people. And then now you're validating, you know, you're, you're, you're leaning into an argument or a debate because you have previously felt validated in another area of your life. And now you're just like trying to fight for the death. Right. And so for me, it was, you know, a lot of it was like the ego loves to get offended. You know what I mean? And I was not in control of being offended. Like I was not in control of that at all, uh, whether it was in sports or whether that was in, you know, other areas of my life, because you feel like, you know, I felt like at least anytime someone kind of came for, you know, try to explain something to me that I did not believe, you know, my ego would not even take the time to kind of, I guess, listen and learn the opinion. Mm -hmm. It would just go so full force on the other end of the spectrum. Like, you know, I would be so quick to want to talk and not listen, you know, always wanting to talk, always wanting to talk. And, you know, some of it, like, you know, I didn't grow up always that way. I think that, you know, when I was younger, I was, I didn't talk as much um, because I was listening and I wanted to, but at some point, someone, you know, people had told me that you're a good talker. You should speak more like, you know, I like how you said that, or I like how you did that. And, you know, what I forgot was that it was the good listening that got me to say good points. You know, it was like, I was an ultimate listener when I was younger, great observer. And when I did put up my hand and I did speak, it would come out very well articulated because I'd been paying attention. I'd been listening. Mm -hmm. I'd been, I'd been guiding. Right. And then through that expression of speaking and people being like, damn, that was good, man. Like that was, that was good. That was like a good little, then now you start. Now the game starts. Now I'm a good talker. Right. So now what do I do? I, I'm more focused on trying to talk and not listen, right? And then that will take its toll until, until, and if you're a good talker at some point, and, and, that, and that's a, the bigger part of this conversation is that you are going to get complimented for, for not being good at something. Like you are going to win arguments. You're going to win debates, but it's like, who was present in that debate? Who was present in that argument? Was your ego leading that conversation or were you genuinely leading that conversation out of like, you know, like genuine interest for the other person, genuine willingness to want to serve, right? Like, you know, one thing that I read that really stuck with me is that, you know, when you're acting from a place of your ego, you're more concerned about what can I get and how do I look versus how can I serve and how can I give? And that to me is a massive difference between even my communication style. Now it's like, I'm not, I don't really care about trying to, you know, or at least I try my best, you know, mm -hmm. there is times where, you know, the ego still wins that day. You know what I mean? Um, and those are the days you got to go home and reflect and go, damn, you were talking out of your ego for sure. Like there was mm. no, 
you know, in the conversation, you started to realize that like, you're more concerned about how you look right now. You know what I mean? You're not really caring about who you're talking to. You're more concerned about, you know, what am I getting out of this conversation? I'm trying to win this conversation, you know, and that's that competitive ego that's kicking in, you know, and then, you know, if you started the conversation with like, how can I serve? How can I give? And then by the end of it, you're just purely, how do I look? The ego kind of took over in that conversation in itself, you know? Um, and so for me, it was a very much, you know, and my friend said this to me, I knew that I knew I had, I knew I had a bad unhealthy debate style because my friends would tell me, you know, their your 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 environment tells you sometimes. Like my friends would like if I started to get a little bit heated in a conversation, they'd be like, "Here he goes again," you know. And you know, the comments come in, and I would get really mad because even sometimes when I was saying things that I thought were right, I was getting dismissed by my previous actions. Like you know what I mean? And so now. It's like, yeah, sure, I have a, a reputation of debating and arguing, but in this argument, in this debate, I'm actually, this is validated. This is a real, this is a good one. But people start to drown you out because you just start to like, you become, you pick up that personality. Um, and it wasn't until like I got on my self, you know, awareness journey. And at that point, I didn't even realize it as the ego. I just felt like it was a part of, I just thought it was my personality. Like I, I had a hot temper in terms of like debates and arguments. I didn't see it as like, an, I didn't understand something was leading me and not to me. It was just me the whole time. Like I didn't understand that that was another thing. Like that was, that was your ego was protecting. And, you know, I, to me at that point, I was just like, I like arguments. I like debates. It's something that I like to like, if there's a good topic, like let's talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't until, you know, I started getting into self-awareness that I realized all these different elements of just yourself, right? There's self and then there's ego. There's like, and they're, they're competing for you. You know what I mean? A beautiful parallel uh, parable actually that, you know, really kind of got me to understand this was, um, have you, have you heard about the tale of two wolves? No, I don't think I have. Okay. So, um, the first time I heard about this was, uh, I was traveling actually. And, uh, uh, my cousin, he was reading this book at the time and he was, and he, he was reading a whole book and this parable is just a little, a little section of the book. I guess the author was referencing it. And he literally like, we're on a bus where I think we're going to maybe somewhere in Italy. I can't remember. Uh, and he, he literally hands it to me. He goes, you read this section and I get it. And I'm reading this section. And it was just like, Oh, then I realized like how many different people are within you, you know, like that there isn't just this one thing that's going on like you have to manage all the different parts of you like there's a lot of parts of you that are happening and i hope this kind of parable kind of brings it together it's you know so it says that in each of us there's two wolves right one is evil uh one one carries a lot of anger a lot of envy a lot of regret a lot of you know ignorance self-pity um resentment lies um false pride ego being one of them as well the other wolf is a good wolf. It carries joy, peace, hope, humility, kindness, empathy, curiosity, truth. And so this is, a, this is like an older man explaining to a younger kid, you know, these two different wolves. And, you know, and I think the kid asks, okay, so if there's these two wolves that are competing for, you know, self, you know, if self is kind of what you are, and then there's these two wolves that are competing for your, like, who, who's going to be you? Who's yourself? He goes, which, which wolf wins? And the older, wiser man says, the one you feed the most. And that was when, you know, the first time you're hearing that story and hearing that parable, that was the first time I realized that, you know, within ourselves, there's this like battle going on, you know, you're the battle of this, this negative 
persona that's, you know, trying to heal the trauma, trying to heal the pain, the anger that you carry from your, whether it's your circumstances or events that happen to you, or, you know, this willingness to want to be defensive all the time and get in somebody's, you know, really defend your honor and channel. And, and that is a, that is, that is an energy that's in you. And it's a wolf that's in you. And, you know, and if you feed that wolf, you don't, you don't, you, it's going to continue to grow. It's going to continue to prosper. And then next thing you know, you're, you're, you're living a life that it carries a lot of anger, carries a lot of envy, carries a lot of comparison. Right. And, you know, the other wolf is, you know, the wolf that is the one that is trying to seek out the, how do I serve and how can I give ego versus the, what do I get and how do I look ego, you know? And that was the first time and like I was able to kind of even after that moment, see who I was showing up as in an argument or in a debate. It's like, which wolf is talking right now? You know what I mean? Like, which wolf am I feeding right now in this conversation? Um, and I love that because it's, they don't, these wolves are always, they always exist. It's just, you want, you want the good wolf to look jacked, strong, like it's being fed, you know, like you are, you are leaning into that one and you want the, the, the evil one to look like it's fasting, you know, like it's weak. It doesn't, ha- it hasn't had food in a long time. It's been doing Ramadan for their ho- its whole life. Um, <laughs> that's how you want that wolf to look, you know, and not the other way around. You don't want your good wolf looking like it's fasted and your bad wolf looking very well fed, very energetic, very ready to go. Um, and so that, you know, that between that parable, you know, that, that was kind of, I, so I started off on the self-awareness journey. I got that. I heard that parable. I understood that there was, there's two wolves that I, I could, I could, I get to choose who I feed. And, you know, then it kind of started for me to allow to even start seeing, you know, the ego. And I think the ego was a part of that parable. So it was the first mm. time I, I registered like, okay, ego and like, you know, the, the, the evil wolf, they go together, you know? So I kind of, I kind of had that association. And then I heard the title ego was the enemy. And it was like, okay, all right. The, the ego must be something that is like a trigger. Like it must be something that like, you know, um, is very easy to act out in. Um, mm. that was kind of, you know, my, my trampoline into this space and, um, how it impacted my life like right away. Mm, I love that. I love that. And there's, there's so many things like, uh, I want to pull out in there, but I think what, uh, you kind of just said at the, the end for me that resonated was that they're both always there right? Like there's two wolves, but there's not like one wolf is not out is outside of you. And one wolf is inside of you. Like both wolves are present, which means they're all, they're all there. They all have the possibility to, you know, howl at the, at the moonlight. They all had the opportunity to speak and the self, there's almost like a filter, right? There's two wolves. And then there's the self, like you mentioned up top. And then there's some sort of filtration system that we are then able to be like, Oh, interesting. But I think what's fa- what's fascinating is there's these two wolves. And for a lot of people, and for me for a really long time too, I didn't realize there was an opportunity to filter out the system into self, to filter out into something I wanted to be. And that's where you said the self-awareness piece kicked in. It's almost like the filter is the self-awareness. Right. Once you once you start to incorporate more of a self-aware space or a self-aware mindset each day, that's the filtration system. So when the anger and the conceit and the the whatever emotion you consider to be bad starts to arise, 
it's it hits a point where you get to filter out what part of that is necessary and what part of that isn't and how you express that mm-hmm. same thing with you know the other side joy is beautiful but joy can also move into a space of conceitedness where you're you know thinking you're overly impressive and overly magnificent and that comes up and then you get to filter that through and then you get to create or express how you wish to express so it's there, it's such a powerful space and it reminds me of for those that don't know, I used to run restaurants. So that's why I've been in restaurants for so long. I, I helped manage a company called Cactus Club. It's funny, I say run restaurants, which is my ego talking. <laughs> I, ru- I run restaurants, right? Like as if I'm the owner, I was not. I was just simply a manager, hilarious. But I hold a lot of weight to that space, as you can tell. That's why I say things like that. And that's a beautiful representation of how sometimes it just it just comes out. And... I'm not here being like, Kyle, why would you do that? Like, you're supposed to be better than that. Why would you say something like that? It's just acknowledging like, oh, there's my ego. Hi, you're here today. I know you're here today. Beautiful. Uh, But what I recognize leaving my managerial space for seven years, I was a part of that space. And the whole time I remember being in there and being like, why am I not AGM? Why am I not AGM yet? I've been doing the work. I've been managing for six years. I've been doing all this stuff. Like, how is this possible? Because this is what I told them I wanted from the beginning. This is what I wanted. And I and I kept going at it and going at it. And then I quit because I was frustrated. And then I came back because I wanted to prove to myself that I could do it. And so many influencing factors. And I remember getting so much support from not necessarily the top managers, but from everyone that worked beside me. And I I don't want to use the word underneath, but the servers and the bartenders, the people that I technically managed, right? Right. I got a lot of great feedback of like, how are you not getting this? And you're such a great manager and you're the best. So it's fueling, yeah, it's fueling my ego, right? And yet the result wasn't coming Mm -hmm. and I was so confused. And I remember being so distraught by it that I ended up just saying, you know what? At the end of the day, that maybe this just isn't for me. Maybe this isn't the business that I'm supposed to be in. They, you know, they want me to do this. I don't want to do this, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to leave. So I ended up quitting. And then it was probably two years later, I was listening to a podcast and I realized, you know what I think one of my biggest problems was? I had a really big head and I didn't notice. I didn't notice I had a big head. Mm-hmm. And what really came to light was the... I think it was a statement that said your workplace should never be worse off because you've left. Mm -hmm. Your Mm -hmm. workplace should never be worse off because you left. It should be either the same or better. And I I listened to that statement and I said, Oh, when I left, I literally said to myself, this place is going to crumble if I leave. And that was again, another representation of how large my head was. Yeah, oh yeah. I had such a big ego at that time and I thought I was doing well with it. I thought I wasn't. I felt like I was a humble person. You know, I felt like I had a good integrity. I I had and I still do have some of the powerful characteristics that made me great in that position. But the greatness took over. The idea of being great at that took over and that became my identity, which is essentially my ego right? The ego is what I represent. The ego is my identity. And so how I'm moving forward in the world is a direct representation of what I believed myself to be, to be true. So if I believe myself to be great at this, then I'm going to show up and I'm going to be great at this. 
even if that means that uh, other people aren't great at it. Because mm-hmm. I kind of have other people be great at the job because then, well, hold on. That means that I'm maybe not so great and they might be greater. There's a constant like competition, right? Ego creates competition. And so anyways, the story just basically comes full circle to say, sometimes we have no idea we're in the middle of an ego, but that's my big experience with it was it was, that was seven years, seven years of my life. The ego was in control. Seven years of my life. There was ideas of conceit and big headedness and, um, you know, pomposity, like being pompous without realizing it and just thinking that I'm better than everybody else. Mm -hmm. And that was a tough realization for me to have, but a powerful one, because what that said to me was never leave a place in a bad position, always leave it better. And that was just a a great realization or um, I've heard that quote before, but I never really took it into play. My friends, let's talk about mental health and the sponsor of this podcast. This episode is sponsored by Tether, a peer-enabled mental health and well-being platform for men. Tether helps men find meaning and purpose through community, accountability pods, and a 24-7 support network. Tether invites us all to be a part of changing the face of masculinity and letting every man know that struggling and vulnerability doesn't make you any less of a man. It simply makes you human. And for me, I've had a lot of personal experience with this app. I've used it many times. I've shared a lot of vulnerable moments. I've shared some strength moments, some exciting moments. The app is open for everyone to simply just share. And like I said in the introduction, a peer-enabled space where we're supporting each other without any pressure to fix, just simply to honor each other's journey. They also just added in a conscious content section where they're sharing podcasts, they're sharing blog posts. It is a really powerful space. So we really want to implore you and encourage you to download it from the app and Google store. It is Tether, T-E-T-H-R, available on both app stores. Join the community. I promise you will not regret it. For me, the ego has been a crazy, crazy place where I've had to really do a lot of work, like you said, right? We've been doing the work and we've become self-aware. But what I find super fascinating is that the ego is still the identity. So the ego says, um, I am self-aware. And then sometimes self-awareness can be used in the ego game to say that I'm better than other people. Not saying that's what you're saying. I've noticed that about myself. Mm -hmm. As I've tried to transcend the ego, I've created just a different version of the ego. So I think, you know, a lot of people can maybe speak to this is there's, you know, everyday ego. And then there's this idea of spirituality, right? You get into spirituality, you become spiritual. But what I think sometimes people don't realize is just because you got rid of what you called the ego on this other side, doesn't mean you've now built a spiritual ego, right? A spiritual ego comes into play and things like spiritual bypassing comes in where it's like, the universe will, will protect. It's like, well, yes, but we're in, a, we're in a 3D human experience. So while the universe is working in our favor, there are 3D issues we need to handle. You know, you can't just live nilly willy. You have to, like you said, take action. There's, there's gotta be some sort of movement in there. But the spiritual ego says, no, everything works in my favor. And, you know, just be positive and all that stuff. That's spiritual bypassing. That's still ego work. That's still being ego led. Um, and that's actually something I fell into a trap as well is I got into like, you know, everything is great. Everything is perfect. And yes, sure, everything is perfect. You're 100% right. But is my body feeling some type of way right now about this situation? 
100 freaking percent. Mm -hmm. Am I noticing resistance in my body? 100%. So what's the truth of it? You know, what am I trying to bypass as if I'm, you know, more spiritual or more woke, or I've transcended this idea of the ego. Um, I had a friend once, this is no shame to him, but it was a powerful conversation where he said, I don't believe that we should have an ego at all. I think it should be something we could have ego death. So maybe I'll pose the question to you. Do you believe that there's an opportunity or possibility to have ego death or the death of the ego altogether? I don't think so. Mm. I, I, I don't think that, you know, just based off of like, you know, how I feel about, you know, what I've learned about the ego and how it, how it feels inside my body. I feel like, cause another version of the ego to me was like, you know, it's kind of like the voices that I hear in my head. Those are all, those are other egos too, that like, you know, like for me, that was another reason understanding who those voices were and why they were like, you know, why they existed. And, you know, the same way I feel like those voices don't stop. It's about embracing them the same way. I feel like if I ever sit down to meditate that, you know, you're going to have negative thoughts come out. Like that's just, that's just what happens. This doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means that like we're human beings of thoughts. Like we just have lots of thoughts. Right. You know what I mean? And you, sometimes you think about something that's crazy. It doesn't make you a bad person. It's like, it's, it's just something that you recognize and you kind of move past, you know, you don't allow, you don't give it more. You don't feed that wolf. You don't give it more fuel. You just let it pass. You know, mm. and so I, I, I literally think that, you know, the human experience is this, you know, it's this um, it's this thing where your mind and your body are constantly in conflict. And then you got to understand that your soul is in control of what's going on about the whole entire thing. And the, like your self-awareness, your ability to control who you are in your in your in your soul is how you kind of manage good ego, bad ego good voices, bad voices, good thoughts, negative thoughts, you know? Um, and ultimately how we express them is the, is like the last filtering system of that we have is that like, all right, we process, we process. And then if it comes out, that's the, that's it. Now that's, that's the new thing. But to give people peace of mind, just because it comes out, doesn't, doesn't define who you are either. You know, mm -hmm. that just defines how you've chosen to ch deal with that experience in that moment, you know? Some people need things to come out in order to understand how they feel about it because as it, they felt it, as they thought it, they didn't have a good or bad idea of it. So they let it come out and then the external world kind of showed them how, what the repercussions of what you said or what you did are. And then now you have more information to next time deal with that problem or deal with that situation better or differently or more in line with how you want to, you want to, you, you want to be moving forward. So I, I just think that, you know, the, the, the death of the ego to me feels like um, what I wanted to do with my voice back in, back in the day. Like when I had all these, these, these thoughts, um, instead of trying to embrace them and understand them, I just shut them off. I pretend like they didn't even exist. And I think that it's kind of the same thing of trying to be like, the, just kill the ego, pretend like it's just not there. It's just the same kind of connotation. Um, and it actually will um, show up maybe worse you know, because you're not, a, you, you've, in your mind, you've killed it. So it's like, if it shows up and it acts, you're like, who was that? You mm -hmm. know, versus being aware of it and being like, oh, like how you said, like, you know, I've managed restaurants, your ability to understand where that sentence came from, what was driving it, who was driving it, the check place, you know, because so much comes from, you know, if you said that, right. And I was, I was sitting here where I've never met you before in your life. And you said that. And then one second later, you were like, whoa, my ego really kicked in there. My bad. I meant this. 
what does that say? What does that say to me that I've never met you before about your character and who you are? I'm like, oh, he's right. not really like he recognizes his ego. Like he recognizes when it comes up and checks it that fast. You know, mm-hmm. that gives you a better chance in this world, I think, personally. You know, and it gives me less of a less of an opportunity to even project any judgment on you as a person who's egotistical because you've checked yourself in two seconds. I didn't even I didn't even get a chance to formulate a thought process about who you are and how you've been living your life because you've done it yourself. Um, and the death of the ego to me implies that maybe someone who wants to forget about it and kill it off and um, end that moment, you're not triggered by recognizing that that was your ego. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So love that. I appreciate you sharing. Yeah, and and again, this isn't a uh, to, to belittle the concepts because I think that, or even belittle the person or people that say that out there is like, I want to have a death of my ego. It's not to say that, you know, you're necessarily wrong because I think that the right intention is there, right? Mm-hmm. Like even just having the idea of the ego is the enemy, you know, just that in and of itself says, okay, well then that should be something that I should conquer. And, and once you conquer something, it's like, I've conquered it. It's done. It's over with, you know, I've won the war. Um, but in the reality, the ego is in there is a battle. And it, mm-hmm. it, the, you know, winning the war is, you know, we don't, I don't think there's an answer for that in regards to winning the battles over the ego, because it, I, and to put it into, I guess, realistic terms, while not trying to sound super pessimistic is it's a lifelong war because at the end of the day, your ego is essentially just a development of your belief systems of who you believe you are and what you believe about the world. And that is go back, go back, say that again. Say that again. So that like that, <laughs> that is it. That is it. Mm. So the ego is essentially just a development of your belief systems. So anything that you believe about yourself, about others, and about the world is this what creates the centralized, let's say the module of the ego, the nucleus of the ego. And everything else stems from that. So if I believe I'm good and you tell me I'm bad, my ego says, I'm good. Even if I actually did something bad, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I have a firm belief that I am a good person. And therefore, whatever you say to me, I'm going to fight you on. I may not be open and receptive to you being like, listen, though, you just killed someone. You're a, you're not, that's a bad thing to do. And I'm like, but I'm a good person. And that was a, maybe an extreme context, but I think anytime you say anything to, to someone that is outside of their belief systems, that's when their ego protects whatever is created, right? Which I think is a beautiful representation of how much of our lives are dominated by our childhood. And I refer to this so often, right? Is whatever was given to us as a belief, should, shouldn't, can, can't, would, wouldn't, whatever, until we're seven is again, how we operate. And sometimes we'll have this phase in between where we're like, no, I'm fighting this and I'm going to create my own. But even still, that's a working off of what you were given as a child. So it's mm-hmm. still predominantly that. So if some someone, you know, let's say when you're young and they say, you know, an extreme example is uh, let's say black people are bad. Okay. Now I'm not saying this in a racial space, but let's say in um, that's, that's what's said, right? If I believe that to be true, then therefore I'm going to walk through this world and anyone that says opposite to me, my ego will be triggered and says, "Mm -mm 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 -mm." this is the truth. Mm -hmm. Even though it's not, my belief system says it's true. And therefore my ego is fighting to simply protect that idea. That is what is happening in that space. 
Now, maybe a lighter version is, you know, jaywalking is bad. Okay, gotcha. So anytime I see a red light, but there's no cars in the farthest foreseeable future, I'm still not crossing the street until it turns green because jaywalking is bad. And therefore, my ego will protect and say, "Mm -mm -mm, don't do that. Pushing through that, if someone says, let's walk, and you're like, no, that's your ego saying, "Mm -mm, no, I can't do that. I need to protect this belief system. So in the context of my restaurant space, right, I believed I was good. Therefore, I believed I was deserving of this specific thing. Maybe I wasn't that great. And in fact, why didn't I get the promotion? Well, it's probably because there was things I wasn't great at. Or maybe it was because of my big headedness. I'm not sure. But the reality of it is the promotion didn't happen. So what is that actually saying? Sure, I can, you know, attack the business and attack everything outside of myself. But what's really happening inside of myself that is actually being expressed outside of myself that I don't know of? That's where I really think the ego comes into play. But I agree with you. I think ego death is not possible. Because what we speak about here is that there's multiple sides of the ego. And something we read earlier that I'll share with here with the listeners is if you have an unhealthy ego, you essentially have an unrealistic view of yourself. You may see yourself as better or worse than you really are. um, And you could potentially have narcissistic personality or become extremely depressed. So what this statement says is it goes both ways, right? have an unrealistic view of yourself, which is, you know, it's pompous or it's in vain or whatever, what have you. But a healthy ego does exist because like I said, an ego is just a development of your belief systems. So what they say here is you generally think well of yourself without exaggerating your own achievements or abilities. You feel mentally strong enough to face life's challenges. You see yourself as basically good, acceptable, and at least as important as others. And you can be, um, see others' perspectives, but honor your own most of all. So that's what they say is representation of the healthy ego. Now, this doesn't mean, for me at least, that this is one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Because I think that what I, I sometimes fail to recognize is even just speaking with you, right? I'm speaking to another ego. Mm-hmm. Anytime I'm, I'm, I'm talking to anyone at any point or I share something to the world for the world to see, I'm putting it out there and saying, okay, okay, hundreds of thousands of egos, figure out what you want to do with this. Figure out what you think about this. And that is sometimes a tough space. And then we think, what, I'm going to appease hundreds of thousands of egos? No, it's impossible. That's absolutely impossible. But that, if I were to think that, would probably be, again, a representation of my ego as I can because I am good enough, because I am better than, and I am relatable enough. I am, you know, X, Y, Z of my belief. So hundreds of thousands of people will align with me. Then the one person doesn't, and I have to fight them on it and say, you're wrong. I'm right. This is how it goes. So I think ego ego is ever present. And I think it's important. If we didn't have ego, how would we ever feel protected? What, what, what would there, what, there's nothing to protect, I guess, at that point. And what's the, like, my, my other thing too is that, you know, I'm trying, I want to say this in a way that, you know, doesn't, um, 
discredit the people that are in 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 pain they're in they're in an internal conflict like you know they're in their um their inner pain their inner trauma is actually you know crippling their their mm. their life you know it's it's their life has been highly affected by this internal conflict whether it's negative voices in their heads and you know all those kind of things um but to me essentially life is just this this it's just this 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 battle of all of those things you know and it, all of us are trying to just find the strength within our within ourselves within self to combat whether it's external forces your environment whether it's you know thoughts in your own mind whether it's you know um the big-headedness of us our personality our accomplishments you know um we're all kind of fighting our own fight in our own way. Right. And so I think that like, in order to kind of understand how you're doing in that fight with life, you kind of need all these elements of yourself and killing any of them off is, is like having one less tool in your toolbox. You know, like I think that the ego can teach you things as much as it can, you know, wreck things for you, you know? And so if you are aware of managing when it's potentially harming you and you're aware of when it's, you know, serving you, then it it could be very, very powerful. You know, I think that like, you know, a a prime example for me is, you know, a a simple way of, you know, my ego um, serving me is when I think I know about something and, and my reaction to here's, okay, here's a, here's an example. If you're talking to a certain group of people about the same topic over and over and over again, right? You're a life coach. Say you sit down and you hear someone talk about, you know, self-care, self-care, and then they start to tell their story and it's like leading you down the path of this guy, this person has no self-care. And then you go to the next client, they start to tell their story. You're like, it's self-care again. It's self-care again. What happens when you think you've heard the same thing over and over and over again is you stop listening. Mm-hmm. Because I know the answer. So why would I listen anymore? Right. And for me, it's even sometimes when you're talking on the podcast and I'm listening to you, if you go on a rant that I understand very well, my brain wants to turn off because it's like, I understand that point. And then what do I do? My ego's not trying to figure out how can I make a better sentence structure than the, than the you know, maybe the potential, potential rip he's going on right now, because I already know what he's saying. So I'm going to start developing my next point so that I can fuel whatever I'm going through. But I've never heard you say those things in that order. So really that kick out is a reminder for me to be like, whoa, 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 you think you know what's going on, come back. Listen, listen first, make sure you're listening. Don't disconnect. Don't, don't let your ego say, ah, we got that, bro. Let's just worry about this next thing over here. No, check it, bring it back. But it's, it's, it's only because I know my ego is alive and exists that I'm aware to understand that I'm checking up because I think I know what's going on, but I don't. You know, I don't actually know what's going on. Like, Mm -hmm. I think I know what's going on, but I'm not sure that I know, you know? And so to me, that's a tool that I leverage as like a way of being able to be more present, pay more attention, you know? And so you take that away. That's just a, that's a very valuable tool to know that like you're checking out right now because you think, you know, so maybe I might start listening to you in a different way. Like, okay, I know that part. Right. And what it's allowed me to do is sometimes when I know when some, what somebody's saying, um, like li- like literally like their words i start to t- i start to start paying attention to their emotions and how they're convicting it allowing me to become an even deeper listener right mm-hmm. like i understand the words that you're saying okay i've heard those words in that structure now let's pay attention to the body language mm. with those words right and now i'm accumulating a completely different like 
level of listening because not only have I heard these words in this order, now if I were to compliment somebody, you know, in the future, I'd be like, you know what, I've heard people talk about what you're talking about so many times, but you've done it in the most optimistic way. Because mm. not only did I pay attention last time to all the words, I've realized now I can recognize that, oh, you said the same words, but you sound more optimistic than the last time I heard these words in this order when it was more pessimistic. Mm-hmm. And now my advice comes from where, right? Now, if I were to give you advice, I'm not going to give you advice based on somebody who's being pessimistic. You're being optimistic about how you're speaking about something negative. So now my, my level of maybe serving you or giving you advice has enhanced. I'm better at it because I was paying attention correctly. And I didn't let my ego kick in and say, you know what's going on here. Just wait for them to sit, finish talking. And when they're done, hit them with the line that you always hit them with. And boom, <laughs> like we're done here. You know what I mean? And then give me the praise. Because like, I know, I know it's worked for 30,000 other people. So say, I'm great. Thank you. And I'm out. You just mm-hmm. had a whole ego driven day. Like, what did you, what, did, what like, when did you, when were you present? When were you actually trying to serve? You just showed up, did your thing, got the compliment, bounced. And, you know, and, and I think it's very easy to live in that place, you know? And I think it's very, it's hard to like, be like, I, you know, I think I know what this is, but I don't know, you know, or you know, sometimes when people will read books, I hear this often too. It's just like, ah, the book wasn't really that good. I already knew all those things. I wonder, I wonder when, what page did you check out and go, I know all this, you mm-hmm. know? Cause that's a completely different human being who wrote that book from your experience. Right. So that sentence alone, it's a very ego driven sentence. Like I know I, I read this book. It was a bunch of stuff I already knew. Really, really, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, and it reminds me of a quote I, I recently came across. I can't remember the, the word for word, but it basically said, uh, our, our greatest power is in knowing that we know nothing. Um, yeah, yes. Yeah, I'm sure you know that too, quote. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. knowing that we know nothing. And an extension off of that is um, uh, everyone is right mm-hmm. in their own mind. Everyone is right. Everyone has the answer. Everyone, you know, X, Y, Z, like everything you think about yourself and ha- what you believe about their certain things, everyone thinks the same thing. They and, think I'm right. And everyone to add to that, everyone is right in their own experience as well. Yes. Right. Like if someone were to criticize our podcast and be like, yeah, your podcast wasn't very that it wasn't really that good. It didn't really like get me going. They're probably right. It probably didn't get them going. <laughs> like, you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. That, that actually is a right statement. Like to your experience, yes, it's, you know, you're, you know, you, may, you might be shitting on the product or hating on the product. But the reality is, is that the truth is, is that what we did here didn't move that individual. And that's the truth in that sentence. Now, we can take that and decide, okay, you know, we can either agree with the ego and be like, well, you know what, you're doing this or you're doing that or whatever. Or we could be like, okay, we didn't move this individual. What can we learn about this individual that they're maybe struggling with that now we can create content that is like, you know, actually like, you know, pulling that emotion out of somebody. Right. And that's where we all like, everyone is right in their own experience. Mm-hmm. Everybody is right in their own experience and how they're expressing themselves to you and how they're showing up for you. Just because you don't agree with that experience doesn't mean that they're wrong. We're really writing, to, we're really arguing two right points. And that's why debates are art, like hard sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Especially if you're talking about something that is like more subjective. Uh, actually, objective, subjective. Objective means like um, uh, factual. Think, yeah, think object, like outside of yourself object and subjective is like your opinion essentially. yeah 
Right. So like arguing objective things can, you know, be a little bit more factual and can be put into like math, science, certain things there. But a lot of the time when people are talking about their opinions and things like that, it's a very subjective conversation. Right. So um, a lot of times people are right. There are a lot of times people are right in their own experience. Not a lot of times everyone is right in their own experience. Um, And it's honoring that it's honoring Mm -hmm. that and understanding how to maybe um, not prove them, not prove them wrong but maybe just express how you're trying to express yourself in a different way that, you know, um, um, might maybe resonate with them, might not resonate with them or learn, Mm -hmm. learn from their opinion, learn from their experience, you know? Um, And a beautiful way to work off that too, just to recognize even when the ego is there is if that person came to us and said, your podcast is terrible. Well, that's probably an egoic reaction. Right. It's not a response. It's an egotistical reaction, not fighting them. Again, they're probably right in their own nature. But if we were to open up and say, hey, you know what? We'd love to hear what you have to say. We'd love to see if we can make this work for you. And their response was nothing, which a lot of times in those spaces it is. That's how you know that's an egoic response. Because once you open up the other side of the conversation, then you know they're not looking to have any solution solved. The ego doesn't always necessarily want a solution because the solution means I have to listen to what you have to say, and that might challenge what I have to say. And therefore that's not okay. I'm going to protect against that. So we're not going to be open to this. So if someone does have something negative to say, sure, share it, get it out. There's nothing wrong with that. If there's something that is bothering you, get it out. But if we're not willing to have a solution about it, that's how you know you're being ego-driven. That's how you know you are not at the wheel. Your ego is at the wheel. It is driving and it has kicked your ass in the back seat and said, mm, 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 I am in control. You're not even in the passenger seat at that point. Mm-hmm. You're not, you don't get to, you get to, you get to backseat drive. And we all know what we think about backseat drivers, right? We know what we think about backseat drivers. Okay. Um, your ego thinks the same way about you being in the backseat. It's like, shut up, stop. I'm in control. And that's what I think, like I said, is a beautiful representation is they're right. You're right. But as long as you can be willing to listen to people, you know, I think that's what I really want to pull out of all your, your, your shares is being willing to just hear the other person's opinion and know that there could be some validity for you in there. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily validity on a global scale. And, you know, I fall into this trap sometimes being vegan, right? I notice sometimes that there is a huge, let's call it ego boost being vegan. And where that comes from is the, uh, or I'm going to call it the angry vegan syndrome. That's what I'm going to call it. Okay. The angry, angry vegan syndrome. Because if you think about a lot of vegans, it seems as if they are, and this is not an attack, it, there, there is an element of I am better than because I am making a better choice than you who eats meat, right? right? That is a very ego-based thought process mm-hmm. because who is to say that is true? Right. That is true for me, but that may not be true for you. Right. And so for me to say that it is true for everyone is ego based. Mm-hmm. Right. And unfortunately, in the space of, um, let's again, my own veganism, not harming animals makes you feel like you're a better person mm-hmm. than other people who do hurt animals for their food. Right. And so what that creates is this like hierarchical space, which again, anytime there's a hierarchy based, there's an ego involved. It's almost inevitable. Um, And so knowing that and seeing that in this light is saying, oh, okay, interesting. How do I just live as who I am and know that it's right for me? 
how do I do that? Because if I can embody it, then I'm, I feel like I'm wise. But if I feel like I have to keep giving lip service to it, well, that just means I know a bunch of facts. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm doing what's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, my partner shared a beautiful separation between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is I have to talk about it all the time. And wisdom says, I don't ever talk about it mm-hmm. because it's just what I do. Mm-hmm. And that for me is like knowledge is often ego-based because I need to tell you about it. And wisdom is not. Wisdom is just, I am. This is, this is uh, I don't even need to share it with you. I walk the walk. I never talk the talk. Unless if you ask me, then I'll share with you mm-hmm. what I do already as a practice. This is going to be a quick redirect, but um, have you ever heard of God consciousness? God consciousness? Yeah. No. So it's essentially the the idea behind it in a really layman's terms that we are all God. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we are all just an extension of. And so I heard this beautiful uh, statement from Aubrey Marcus the other day about ego. And he said, if we didn't have the ego, which is essentially identity, if we didn't have ego, we would all just be God. But we are that ego is a separation between being God and being us. Because in order to live here, in let's call it the 3D, we need identity. If we never had identity, we wouldn't be here. Identity is necessary. And so if every ego was stripped away, if every ego was dead, if the ego no longer existed, we would all just be God. All loving, all knowing, we would just be God. But we're not, we're a human. So for when I heard that today, literally this morning, I was like, whoa, this makes so much sense. That was such a powerful perspective for me to be like, oh, right. Don't forget, you have to have an ego. Mm-hmm. It never can't not exist on this specific dimension in this 3D world. It has to exist here. And if it doesn't, that's because you're not here. If you don't have the ego, it's because you're not here. Mm-hmm. You're, you, you are in the, 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 you're in source. You are source at that point. You mm-hmm. are God. Anyways, I just wanted to share that story because I felt like it was really powerful, but um, it was just a great representation of the ego is necessary. It's needed. Yeah, no, that is, I really, 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 really like that. I'm going to go and kind of, you know, dig into that a little bit more because I'm just like, you know, hearing that for the first time, but just the expression of that. I I don't know, but I'm not, the part that I'm not kind of fully resonating with is the the whole, like, we're all God thing. I'm still working on processing all of that, but the idea that, you know, um, we all need identity in order to like that resonates with me. Very, very true. Right. Because like, you know, I even have something in one of our notes, like the most common ego identities, uh, identifications have to do with possessions, i.e. Mm-hmm. social status, what you do for work, recognition, mm-hmm. knowledge, education, relationships, special abilities, right? The ego is caught up in all of those things, right? Which is all the things that you would accumulate in the 3D world, right? That, you know, pushes you, gets you there, gets you over here, kind of show, it's it's kind of a little bit of a benchmark of kind of what you, um, you know, have accomplished and what you've been able to do with this life that you've been given. But it's not to be flaunted on other people, or it's not to be, you know, leveraged as a way of, like what you do with your social status says a lot more about who you are than, you know, or says a lot more about how much you have your ego in check, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you know going back to something that you said earlier that you know i, I asked you to kind of repeat was it's the develop it's the the, the your ego is the development of your self beliefs right if if you grow up poor right your ego at that time is going to be different than when you have made it right which shows the evolution of self development of your self belief has gone up your belief has gone from i'm poor to i'm rich now right so now the ego has shifted too the ego shifted gears so now you're not the same the ego has so it just goes to show that your ego is evolving with your life and your self beliefs as you continue to accumulate more information and you achieve more things whether you've actually achieved them or people have just complimented you for them your ego changes shape mhm right and so the ego that you you've managed today you need to continue to manage the egos that you produce because mm. you're going to produce different egos along the way right right now our egos are in check based on where our podcast is at today right what ego are we going to have if our podcast is different in 2 years right we need to also maintain and make sure that we're ready to manage that ego that's coming for us mm. haven't got there yet right and so the humility and being humble and um you know it's just so i like you know sometimes timing is just incredible right you know i knew we were going to talk about ego and yanis antetokounmpo for the you know the, the the milwaukee bucks gets asked the question that it was strictly talking about ego essentially and this was his answer yanis goes when you focus on the past that's your ego when i focus on the future it's my pride I try to focus on the present. That's my humility. And he was he was answering that question from a place of how I played last game. If I focus on that and I I use that as a measuring stick for how to perform this game, well I scored 40 points last game. I was the man. I was the best. Therefore how I if I if I actually engage in that ego, it might hinder how I prepare for today because I don't have any humility in how today might go. that was yesterday's work that was yesterday's accomplishments and so if you were you know not bringing it to like i i coach kids right so like if you know a kid were to have a great game the day before as a coach one of the things you're worried about is that they're going to take that good game and stop listening to you right stop learning because you've dropped 40 now right and what yanis beautifully dis, you know displays in that quote is that You know, if 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 you believe what you did is going to happen again, that's your ego taking over, right? And when you know you focus too much on the future, right? Then he's saying what he's saying by like that's your pride is that like you've done it so you're going to do it. Right? But the humility to understand that all you are is what's happening right now. All you are is what's going on right now. and to not use your past as a measuring stick and to not use your past to project that you're going to be, you know, whatever in the future but you're living in the moment you're living in the humility of the present moment that to me is the art of understanding the ego and the management of it and it will it will allow you to continue to find success achieve more social status achieve more relationships get more educated but not get lost in the sauce of what you've accomplished but understand that the person that accomplishes those things is focused on being present and focused on being having humility first you know mm-hmm. and i think that just 
that to me was just a beautiful way of, you know, kind of bringing it all together. Like a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about today is just, you know, celebrities, what you've accomplished in, a, in, your, in your local area, uh, you know, all the promotions you've been able to get you, when you were a restaurant manager, all those people praising you and all these things, like the reality is, is that like, you know, even now hearing that quote, like how many times do you think you showed up to the office or to work with the ego of yesterday's work? All the time. Like I was the man yesterday. I'm going to be the man again today. Mm-hmm. And right? then you just continue to reaffirm that belief over and over and over again, over the course of years and years and years, because you're getting that validation. People are seeing you in that way. So it's not just you trying to reaffirm your own belief. You don't even need to reaffirm it for yourself anymore. Everyone else is doing it for you. And so when that happens, it's like, oh, well, this is even easier than I thought. Your ego has to put in no work. Uh, it's just there. And you walk in every day being like, okay, doesn't matter what happens. I got this. And there's beautiful, there's beauty to that. Like, I don't want to to take away from the fact that confidence comes from that sometimes self confidence self-esteem and confidence are present there that is a beautiful thing that is fantastic when you practice something and you get better and then other people praise you for it that is powerful because it's a representation of your hard work never want to take away from that but where the ego steps in and says i need you to know that and you lead with it Exactly. I need you to know that I'm the man. I need you to know that I have it all figured out. I need you to know that I have money. I need you to, I need you to know, you to know, you to know, rather than me just knowing. Why can't I just know? Because that wouldn't be enough. Because if I just know, then you don't know. And if you don't know, I can't be a part of your group because you, you don't know. So I need to, I need to prove to you somehow that I got this and now I'm the man and you know, you don't need to do this. Like, watch me, you know, watch me. Ego says a lot of times, ego says, watch me. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely a very much an objectifying space ego, right? It's very object-based. It's how do I gain, gain, gain? How do I, like you said earlier, that quote that you said, uh, ego says, how do I get, how do I take, how do I, how do I constantly, you know, even sometimes remove from other people. So that way I'm big, bigger and more boastful. Even when you just walk down the street and you see, you know, let's say a homeless person, right? Ego says, oh, what a slob. Like, you guys are so gross. Like, why are they always around? And separating from the ego, separating that thought, being like, I wonder what happened to them. I wonder what led them to be here. You know, asking why, what's going on. But ego doesn't want you to do that because ego doesn't want you to be there. Mm -hmm. And ego also doesn't want you to be able to relate to that because that says that could be you. Mm -hmm. if you can now relate. So that's scary, right? And I know that I noticed that myself doing that all the time too. I'm downtown in, in an area a lot with a lot of homeless people. And I look and I'm like, ugh, that's my first thought. Ugh, they're gross. Like, oh, like you guys are freaking me out. Stop that. Instead of, you know, why? I wonder why they're doing what they're doing. I wonder what happened in their past that has led them to do this. I wonder how they were treated as a child to make them believe that this is the only thing they're worthy of. I wonder. And if I were to start to wonder, then I would stop feeling like I'm better than them just because I have a condo, you know? And that is where I believe a beautiful representation is, is I don't need to tell you or show you that I have a condo. I can still relate with you and be a human being. And that's perfectly okay. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. But that is where the ego work comes in. And I am definitely not perfect at it because I do it all the time. Mm -hmm. I catch myself doing it all the time because that's just what happens. It's a protective mechanism that is a reaction. But I get to choose how I respond to what comes up. 
and the mm-hmm. respond is that gap. And I don't know if I've shared this quote before, but um, by Viktor Frankl, he wrote the book, Man's Search for Meaning. And he says, in between stimulus, there's a space. And in that space is uh, our freedom to choose. And in that space is where we find our freedom. And essentially, I just butchered it, but essentially what it's saying is there's always a, there's a gap. We get to choose what to do with that gap, even if it doesn't feel like there's a gap. So when what, I walk down what, the street- what are the, two, what are the two sides? So stimulus is on one side, then there's the gap. Response. Sorry, stimulus and a response. Got you. I told you I butchered the quote. <laughs> yeah, stimulus and a response. And in that space, um, we, we get to choose. And there's always that. Whatever stimulus comes up, right? You say something in this podcast that triggers me. Well, okay, that's the stimulus. But then there's a space. And then there's what I say after. Yeah, love that. That space is where I get to choose. But a lot of people don't feel like they get to choose because the ego is so in control. Right. And the more the ego is being able to be given control, the less that space feels like a space and it more feels like someone's in that space always. Mm-hmm. Where self-awareness kicks in and starts to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a space that I have opportunity to live in. Yeah, ego, you report to me. You don't, yeah. You, yeah, you don't just get to speak at this meeting. You report to me. I'll let you know if you could speak. Right, we can, we'll both be there. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be the one who is the last filter system. You can show up. Go ahead. You can always you, have a voice. You are always welcome to this meeting. You can always speak, speak up because you, you have some value up. sometimes. 100%. Sometimes you protect me really well and I want that, right? I don't want someone to constantly call me a piece of shit, right? right? Not being like, oh, I wonder why they're calling me. No, no, no. That's, it's okay. That happens and you're going to react to that. But then if I'm the last filtration system, I get to say how I respond to that person calling me a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And that is where I think the massive majority of my own ego work is, is done, is in that space. Yeah, because I think that there's some times where your ego speaks up in the meeting and you're like, that sounded a lot like self-esteem, to be honest, you know? Um, and your self-awareness kicks in and goes, that actually was good. That was healthy ego right there, right? Mm-hmm. A good example of that is, for example, I'll prepare people, I'll prepare candidates for interviews, Right. Interviews are a place where you kind of have to talk about what you've done, like, and what you've accomplished and being too humble and having too much humility in an interview can go the other way, right? Like it can show, it it could come off as, you know, maybe you haven't accomplished X, Y, Z, or, you know, you're shying away from the moment, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas sometimes when you're in an interview, a lot of the things that you're saying might sound like, you know, confidence slash ego, right? I accomplished these things, right? very powerful things to talk about in, in, in an interview for conviction is, you know, I statements, I accomplished X, Y, Z. I did this for this company. I moved this project along. Mm-hmm. I led X, Y, Z people in an interview. Those comments land as a way of, you know, you are accomplished. You've done some things. I can trust you moving forward. Let's move along through the process. Right. And so often when I try to, you know, prep candidates for interviews, I say, you know, try to talk from a place of facts, and, you know, what have you accomplished? Speak from places of, you know, get out of the, I, w- I assisted in this. And I, if you did it, don't say I assisted, right? Because that just takes away, maybe you're showing humility there. Maybe you're kind of trying to be humble. But if you did it, then say, I did it. I was responsible for X, Y, Z. I actually stepped in as, you know, um, uh, the intermediate director during these times. And I was responsible for all of these things. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's an example of like, you know, your ego stepping in and allowing you to like continue to get something right. But it's, it's, it's not, that is still 
a way of saying, you know, here's what I've been able to do so that I can help serve your company, right? But sometimes the way you get that out has to be through a bit of a, a bit of an ego, a bit of a, you know, a little bit of a, a flex to say the least, you know, if we want to use the term flexing, you know, there is healthy expressions of, you know, flexing. And then there's not healthy. Like there's people who's like, you know, a lot of times you'll see these videos on YouTube and stuff like that, where people will have to, they say an accomplishment to get your attention so that you can be interested in also achieving that accomplishment. That person is not on there trying to boast what they've done. They're trying to use it as a way to get you in to understand that, hey, you can do it too, right? That person is trying to serve. They're just, they're needing to use a part of their success in order to serve you, you know? And so um, there's times where, you know, in that meeting, you'll hear your ego come up and your ego will, you know, this is the meeting between, you know, your, your, this meeting that we made up, mm-hmm. just now. like, you know, the meeting where, you know, self-awareness is the one ultimately making the decision, but your ego is going to talk up, you know, self-esteem is going to talk up confident. They're all going to have their little, their, their two voices. I also feel like going back to your old metaphor, kill, killing the ego is like kicking that person out of the meeting and they don't speak no more. Who wants that? Mm-hmm. Why do you want to kick the person out of the meeting and not give them a voice? Mm-hmm. Right. When sometimes your ego knows you more than you know yourself. Mm. And that's something that's a hard reality to that's a hard reality to like sink in sometimes. But sometimes your ego is more your personality than yourself, because if you haven't done enough self work, who's been leading the charge for the last 10 years? Right. Like. I've only in the last maybe four or five years, I can confidently say that like self has been, le- I've been, I've been leading the ship mm. and it's gone good and it's gone bad, but I've been leading the ship. Like I understood that I was in control, you know, and now I take the responsibilities of like my screw ups and my whatever. It's not the circumstances. It's not my mom and my dad. It's not the environment. And I had my fair share of those problems, right? Where, you know, I'm living life and I'm like, I'm just, I'm just an accumulation of my circumstances. Like the world is out to get me. And you know what I mean? Where you're not accountable for who you are. There's a shift. Something happens, you know, whether you click or whatever, but you, I realized Anwar, you are in control. Get in the driver's seat. This is your life. Start driving this thing, right? And it's only at that moment that I realized, okay, I'm driving now. Self is driving, right? And I had to check the ego. And I had to like almost have that moment with the ego. Like, listen, dude, you've been in control. No, man, I'm running the show now. You report to me. Get in the back seat, and I'll, I'm not kicking you out. You can stay here, but I'm driving. And I don't think a lot of people, have, some people haven't even got to that area where self is leading their life and they're trying to manage the ego they're still being managed by ego like ego is driving their car and it's not even like you know a self-actualized person it's not someone who's self-aware of what's going on they just they're living their life and they don't even realize how much the ego is actually in control the ego is running their show you know and so um it takes some time to first even understand because i still have the ego will sometimes still take the car and go, go for a little run. And I'd be like, hey, come here, man. You know you're not supposed to drive. I drive. But I drive more than my ego drives, right? I drive more than my ego drives now versus there was a long time in life where my ego was in control. My ego was driving and I had no idea, right? Because I hadn't even done any work. I hadn't done any development on self. I didn't know who self was. I didn't know what I wanted to be. I was just a, I was just an accumulation of a bunch of experiences and circumstances. And I just like, I leveraged that. Right. Um, 
and it was a lot of other people. Like I, I often say, who's talking, right? For the majority of my adolescence, my parents were talking. It was my vessel, but my parents' voice, right? It was my vessel, but my, my parents' religious choices. It was my vessel and it was, you know, whatever the environment wanted me to be, you know, growing up in a neighborhood that, you know, that had a very small population of black people and stuff like that. I was just trying to, I was like, yeah, I'm a black man and I'm, you know, I'm in this body and I live in this area, but how I'm speaking is not necessarily reflective of me. I'm just trying to fit into my environment. Right. I'm just trying to talk. Um, and so having the shift, having the turn for me, was being conscious of like when words come out of my mouth, who, whose words are those? Being conscious of when I'm dri- who's driving this car and then who are the passengers, right? And I think that what this conversation is ultimately saying is that one of the passengers in your car is your ego and you have to make sure you understand when your ego is the one going, turn left, turn right. And yourself is just doing it. Like you're just, you're just submissively pulling right? Because your ego's fear of what's, what the opposite of what their request is, 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 is bigger than, you know, what you're able to see. Like, um, I'm not going to try to explain that, you know, and that metaphor might have not a land, but it's basically like when your ego is saying go left, what you should be worried about is why doesn't it want to go right? Mm-hmm. When your ego yells, a straight up order, straight up direction. And you feel like you lost that gap between uh, stimulants and response. When you lose that gap and your ego goes, turn left. The real question you got to ask yourself is what's right? Because whatever is right is what you're running from. Whatever is right is what you're scared of. Whatever is right is what you are avoiding. And every time you listen to the ego and when it says, go this way, you go that way, you miss an opportunity to engage in what's on the right side. And what's on the right side is ultimately something that your ego is trying to protect you from, which could be something that could help serve you. Mm. Um, I love that. And it's so, so, so powerful. And I think uh, what came up for me was I said earlier that the ego is driving but what I think you articulated beautifully that made it kind of click deeper for me is I'm always driving. Self mm-hmm. is always driving. But where I think uh, the the contrast comes in for me and what I just came to is, you remember, do you ever take driving lessons? Yep. And, right. And you're in the driver's seat. And you remember, um, this I think is super old school, but back in the day, they used to have cars where they the would, pa- you would, he had a steering wheel too, or she had a steering wheel as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah so yeah. The, the passenger side has steering wheel and a brake. They didn't necessarily have the gas because why would they need the gas? And so essentially what would happen is if you needed to, if you were about to turn left and that was unsafe, they would step on the brake and stop mm-hmm. you from going that way because they needed to protect who was in the car. That, that teacher, that driver is your ego. And if you are in that car and you're like, oh, I got to turn left, but the sign says no left turn, but the ego says go left. Well, then you're turning left because the ego has a steering wheel. So it doesn't matter that, that, that wheel overpowers you. But at the end of the day, in the passenger seat is the ego. You are in the driver's seat. You're always the one in control of how fast you go, how slow you go. You're always the one that's there. And how much power you give to the other side. If you, the thing too is, is that you're in the car together, right? How much would it suck 
if you did a 12 hour or you know what, a better representation, a hundred year road trip with someone and you never became friends with them. Damn. How much would that road trip suck? Mm -hmm. So if they're always in the passenger seat, well, then wouldn't it just be worth it to start having conversations with them and be like, how was your day? You know, how are you feeling today? What do you feel like doing today? Should we stop here and enjoy, you know, the mountain view or the water? Or like, what do you feel like? Cause we're in this car together for a hundred years. So if we're just going to keep driving together, we might as well make pit stops and enjoy each other's time and crack jokes and, you know, work together. And sometimes you'll drive cause I'm tired. And other times I'll drive cause I'm not tired. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's how a road trip works. So that's how I think a beautiful representation is, you know, why not just be friends with it? Might as, might as well build that relationship, right? Might as well hear them out, listen to what they have to say. I got nowhere else to go. We're on yeah. a road trip, right? Honestly. I love, I love the, you know, the, um, the driving analogy as well. It's like, you, you know, sometimes, um, you know, the only, the only, the only part about the analogy that you had there was that typically the person who's in the, the path that is more in control, like the student is the one that's holding. Um, right. So, you know, let, let, let's, let's not make it seem like the ego has more control over you. You have more control over the ego if you allow it, but you can definitely, it could be the other way around. You know, I think we're trying to pull the power into the driver's seat, but sometimes mm-hmm. the passenger seat's got more, you know, so I think a Absolutely. good question to ask is who has more power? Um, you know, is it, is it, is it the passenger, the driver tester or the, uh, the student who's learning? But, um, yeah, I think that, you know, you can, you can, there's always different, I love analogies and I love comparisons because it allows people to grasp things a little bit, maybe more simple. Um, and I think that, you know, there's been a ton in this episode that we've, you know, kind of tried to use different examples, um, uh, to try to, you know, create that awareness around the ego, but, you know, I think that what you said there at the end is, is the, the real reality of it is, you know, you are in a long road trip with your thoughts, with your ego, with um, those voices in your head. Um, you are on a long road trip with all of these components of yourself, your emotions, right? It's like, at some point, you have to stop kicking them out of the car because they ultimately just get back in the car. Cause you can't, you can't actually kick any of these things out. You mm-hmm. can't kick your emotions out of the car. You can't kick your, the ego out of the car. You can't kick the, the, the voices in your head out of the car. Like you can't kick your thoughts out of the car. So if we've, we've identified that these are things that we can't kick out of the car. The only other logical answer is to, understand them and, and, and get to know them and understand when they're serving you and when they're not serving you, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And it's crazy because even, 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 even the, even the self, this is, this is, this is so crazy to me because we're so human beings are so good at under, most of us are so good at understanding the, you know, how we're acting to somebody else, you know? Like if you were someone who should teach you about judgment, for example, the example that they would give you is like the judgment of someone else. Like they would, they, they would be like, so if someone did this and you did this, you would be judging them, right? It's, we always try to like get it out of our body. There is such a power in understanding just like the internal game, right? Like when your ego steps in, even when you checked your ego there, you, you weren't trying to be judgmental. You just were like, Oh, there he, there's my ego. There it is. You're here today. Like the idea of understanding that you can play with 
your own identity. Like you can have a better relationship with the things that make you, you like, you don't need to, if your ego is trying to step up and be braggadocious, it's cool. I get it. You've accomplished a couple of things. I know you're there. I know you're, you've worked really hard. So you want to just go. This is me talking to my own ego right now and being like, but this is why, this is why we're not going to do that. This is why we're, we're going to stay humble because we're going to do this and this and this, because we believe in this. This is where our faith lies. This is where our, and ultimately your ego is going to stop. Your ego is not just going to, if you coach and are non-judgmental and have a good relationship with your own ego, it's not just going to always come up in these like really negative type of, because it's going to learn too. It's going to learn that self doesn't want that, right? Like self doesn't want to do like ego tried, self-denied it, ego tried, self-denied it, ego learns, right? Knowing that you can coach your ego and get your ego better um, is another really powerful way of just being able to understand that, you know, it's not that the ego is constantly trying to pull left and pull right. As you develop the ego, the ego gets better at being more aligned with self. It isn't a tyrant. It's not always trying to just like make you do something really horrible. It's, if you can start to actually like have real reasons for why you are not going to pursue with ego's response and you actually, you really just instill a stronger belief in yourself. Right. And you just kind of like you, you, you check it and, and then your ego learns that and it, it stops, you know, trying as hard. Um, because it's like, it's not worth it. Self is going to just shut this down. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I know self, it's not going to work. Like, and then that's your development in your ego. You've developed your ego. You know, you've, you're moving into the next chapter of, you know, managing that relationship with your ego, which is, it starts with that conversation, like you said, like having that conversation and engaging in the ego and um, knowing that it's a long journey with this thing. I think that it's become pretty evident that ego is a conversation that will be lifelong. Right. I think that what we've been mentioning, like the road trip analogy, and even just in general with all of the different opinions that are out there on ego, you know, obviously stemming from Sigmund Freud way back in the day, even coming to I understand what the ego is to now, Ryan Holiday's version of ego is the enemy. Like it's a it is a constantly evolving conversation, but at the end of the day, the root is still there. You know, and none of these people say, No, ego's not there anymore. They're saying it's there. How do we learn to manage that? Um, which I think is such a beautiful, like how long ago was Sigmund Freud's research, right? So right. Um, since this can be a conversation forever, um, I'd love to know, we talked about so much today and I was sat here and just like disbelief of like, whoa, there's so many great, powerful things that I'm learning in this conversation. Um, but what is one way that you feel you do your best to, let's say, manage your ego on a daily basis? That's a really good question. I think it's, just, I think the, you know, the managing it is, is, is not as much of, um, I'm not doing things like, I'm not doing things practically. Like I'm not practicing things to manage my ego. You know what I mean? Like, um, if someone were to say, you know, in the future, like why were, uh, what are some things that you did to accomplish things? I would say goal setting, you know, like that's a tool that I'm using to accomplish things. So I can use that as, I don't have a practice or something that I'm doing to manage my ego but the biggest thing that served me in managing my ego is, you know, really investing in time and my self-awareness, 
you know, I think self-awareness to me has allowed me to once see my ego, you know, has allowed me for one, then understand that if I can see my ego, I can choose how I want to respond. You know, it created self-awareness did created the gap for me between stimulus and response, you know, and I didn't think I had that gap before. Um, and I think that that is ultimately the most powerful um, because it is really, a, the, you know, life is just a, a bunch of stimulants a bunch of responses, you know, and the quality of our life is how long we've been able to insert self in as a gap. You know, the longer you've had self in between stimulus and response, you know, the more I think that your life is going to take shape of what you want it to be, because self has always kind of been instilled in the gap. Um, if it's ego in the gap for a long period of time, you might be running down another course. You know, if it's if there's nothing in the gap, you're just stimulus response, trigger anger, set something back, punch him in the face. You know, if you're just living in that world, that has its own complications and consequences. Um, so I think that the the real the real takeaway here is, you know, understanding the journey of, you know, self-expression and self-awareness, I think is um, the real, I guess the tool, the tool that I use the most to manage my ego is self-awareness. Um, and self-awareness isn't wake up tomorrow and you're self-aware. Mm-hmm. <laughs> self-awareness is like, I mean, I still am making daily mistakes and I've been on, uh, you know, I've been engaged in self-awareness for like the last, you know, five years, six years. Like, so it's, it's, it, you're always learning because as you're, as you, your self-beliefs develop, your self-awareness develops as well, right? It's like, if you believe more things or you add more things, more consciousness to your, you know, your life, more awareness, more perspective, you know, self-awareness changes along those, along the way. So um, I think self-awareness is definitely the, the tool I leverage the most to help keep my ego in check um, and manage my ego, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, and to extend off that too, you know, I think uh, I came across this uh, to wrap up my, I guess, point here is I came across this three point question the other day. And I think it feeds well into the idea of self-awareness and, you know, how to maybe cultivate more self-awareness. Um, I think what is beautiful, like you mentioned, is self-awareness is a daily practice. There is no finish line where you're all of a sudden aware of all and it, it's done. You never have to think about it. I, there's never a space like that. And I think it's, um, you know, it's not to be pessimistic. It's the reality of things. It's that there always is something to be more self-aware about. And uh, a beautiful way to do it is, I think starting with these very simple three questions is when something shows up in your space and you're going to react or you did react in a specific way, or you're thinking a specific way about it. Uh, the first question is, uh, what, what is it that I believe to be true here? What is it that I believe to be true? The second question is, why is it that I believe this to be true? Why is it that I believe to be true? And the third question is, what do I want to believe to be true? So the first one says, what am I noticing about my reaction or my response that um, is what I believe to be true? What in this very moment, this is what I believe to be true. I believe that homeless people are bad, let's say. Okay. Why is it that I believe that to be true? Okay. Well, maybe someone when I was younger told me that and said, you know, stay away. They're unsafe. Or maybe society says they're bad people. Maybe that's why. Well, what do I want to believe to be true is the third question. It's, oh, well, they're just another human being that is trying to navigate life. That's what I want to believe to be true. Therefore, I now am going to try to re or sorry, um, put in and inject that into my reality rather than the first question. 
Um, and so that's what's really helped me in the realm of self-awareness. But at the end of the day, without asking those three questions, it's just why, you know, that's what I think self-awareness is, is why, why do I think this? Why did this happen? Why X, Y, Z? We all know this, right? The power of why, but it really is just the simple representation of how you come to see where you're in control and where you're not mm-hmm. and where somebody else has been leading your life and where you haven't and where someone else's voice has been speaking and yours hasn't. That is for me, how I have really helped daily develop my understanding of where my ego is at and how I can be more self-aware. Love that. Love that. I think uh, one last word that I would add to that I think really helps me is just humility, you know, knowing that I'm just a human being. Mm. So as, as my status changes or as, you know, I accumulate things, I'm, I'm, I'm still the same person that did that before, you know, that shouldn't change. I should, you shouldn't change me, you know? And I think my, your ego wants to kind of just like show that, you know, you're different, this, you're that, you're all, it wants to kind of insert itself in its, in your, in your story. And I just think that, you know, what, what Giannis said so beautifully there was just like, you know, when I try to focus on the presence, that's when I try to focus on the present, that's my humility. Right. Cause if you're just present, you're not bringing your past into it. You're not bringing the future into it. You're just present. You're like, whatever can happen can happen today. That's you being him. Like that's you being having crazy level of humility, you know? Um, and what I've accomplished, you know, yesterday does not define who I am and it's not who I am. I'm just, I just am, you know, and I'm here for the present moment. And I think that that, um, that self-awareness plus humility definitely helps me as well stay in check. So I just wanted to add the humility piece. Cause I think that that's important too. being, like you said, self-awareness can lead you to success or suffering. There you go. There you go. So self-awareness alone is, 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 is just an, is just a diagnosis. You still gotta, you still gotta be able to use something to, like you said, your third question is what do you want to believe about that thing? Right. The action, you know, what I want to believe is that I want to always carry myself with humility, you know, and that's, so that is the action to the self-awareness. So there's always kind of a, there's always something else. Uh, you can't just diagnose diagnosis by itself does nothing. Just tells us where we're at. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to join us next week as we put out content every single Wednesday. Our goal with this platform is to create a community to support men on their journey of becoming conscious kings. And in saying so, if you took any value out of this episode or previous episodes, please share, download, subscribe. And if you're feeling really up to it, go ahead and leave a review. You can follow us at Modern Masculinity. Remember, the K, it's with a K, not a C, to represent the mask that we wear. And like always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.